Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. What's up, you guys? I'm Haley. And I'm Andrea. And this is Inhuman, a true crime podcast. Real quick before we get into today's episode, I just want to say thank you so much for all the love we've been getting lately. I just feel like lately a lot of people have been listening and like tagging us on Instagram when they're listening and telling us that like they suggested it to friends or people are saying I came here because of a suggestion from a friend and I just want you guys to know that we appreciate you so much and it means so much to us that you guys listen and share with your friends and we, you know, hope we can keep growing so we can keep doing this. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys so, so much. I just wanted to say that. Um, mm-hmm. But today we are going to be talking about a serial killer. And he is one of the most horrific killers in U.S. history, but I feel like he's not as well known. Okay. And partially it could be because all of his crimes took place in Alaska. And I feel like in general... You don't hear about as much from Alaska. Yeah, that's true. Even though they're like part of the U.S., it's like its own separate entity in some ways, especially with news. Yeah, it definitely feels like we just don't hear a lot of news from Alaska. And so maybe that's partially why. Um, And it was also this was like in the 70s and 80s. So long, longer time ago. Um, Right. But I just feel like he's not talked about as much. But some of you may have heard of him. His name is Robert Christian Hansen, and he also has the nickname The Butcher Baker, but I despise that. I mean, I hate all serial killer-like nicknames, but it is just so unnecessary, so I'm not going to be using that name. But I wanted to mention it in case you guys might have heard of that before. That takes my brain to a really unpleasant place, too. Um, Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, it's just unnecessary. No reason to to name serial killers, and uh, yeah, no. Yeah. But that is who we're going to be talking about today and is definitely a tough one. Um, I'll tell you from now, he eventually got caught, but there are several of his victims who still have never been found. Yeah. Um, But yeah. So Robert Christian Hansen was born on February 15th, 1939 in Pocahontas, Idaho to Edna Margaret Peterson and Christian Hansen. So him, along with his younger sibling and his parents, lived in Iowa for a while, and then they moved to California in 1942, and then back to Iowa in 1949. So his parents owned a bakery in Pocahontas, and Robert worked there outside of school hours, and it's reported that he worked long hours, kind of being forced to do so by his father. Okay. And it's reported that he had a very difficult relationship with his father, who was domineering and strict. And one thing that was mentioned is that Robert was forced to use his right hand as, like, his dominant hand, even though he was naturally left-handed. What? So it's just, like, that kind of stuff. I don't know. I feel like in I've heard, but this more was, like, a long, long time ago. Right. Where people are like, oh, left-handed means you're the devil or, like, it's bad. And so maybe that, like, something related to that is why. But 
it just was that kind of relationship. Okay. Now, young Robert Hansen had a stutter and severe acne, so he was a bit of an outcast in school. Mm. He didn't really have many friendships, and he was described by classmates as a loner. He was also severely lacking in attention from girls, and that's something that he craved. Mm. And I definitely think his experience in school nurtured the monster that he would later turn into. Like, I think yeah. it's nature and nurture, like, because a lot of people experience that kind of thing and don't turn into monsters. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it played into it. For sure. I, I agree. Now, because he was a bit of an outcast and didn't really have friends, he spent most of his free time learning how to hunt and how to do archery. And he actually became a very skilled hunter. Okay. In 1957, 18-year-old Robert Hansen enlisted in the United States Army Reserve, and he ended up serving one year before being discharged. After leaving the Army Reserve, he was uh, working as an assistant drill instructor at a police academy back in his hometown of Pocahontas, Iowa, and that's where he met his first wife. So the two got married in the summer of 1960, but six months later, Hansen was caught for his first crime. On December 7th, 1960, Robert Hansen was arrested for burning down a Pocahontas County Board of Education school bus garage. So he had convinced a 16-year-old boy that worked at the bakery to help him burn down the garage. Okay. And it's believed it was because he wanted to get revenge for his high school experience and how unpopular he was. So... Burning take down the garage on was the way to do it, Yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of weird, but, but all right. <laughs> yeah. But the boy confessed and so, and like told them that Hansen was the one who did it. Right. And so Hansen was arrested and he was sentenced to three years in prison. While he was in prison, a psychiatrist, descri- psychiatrist described Hansen as having an infantile personality and being obsessed with getting revenge on people who he felt wronged him. Okay. So we're taking out your frustrations from your high school experience on a completely innocent bus station Mm -hmm. thing. Okay. And he was actually diagnosed with manic depression and periodic schizophrenic episodes oh no but from everything i could find it doesn't seem like any treatment happened and again 70s or this is actually the 60s like it just it wasn't that didn't happen yeah yeah while he was in prison his wife divorced him and he ended up only serving 20 months out of the three-year sentence before being released After he got out of prison, he met another woman, and the two got married in 1963 and went on to have two kids together. And then in 1967, the family moved to Anchorage, Alaska. So this is when he finally makes it to Alaska. And he became a big part of the hunting community there. Like I mentioned, as a kid, he became a really talented hunter, and he set several local hunting records in Anchorage. Okay. Remember those New Year's goals you promised yourself you'd stick to? Well, Mm -hmm. HelloFresh is here to help you eat better by delivering fresh ingredients and easy recipes, taking the hassle out of dinner time. Which I think we all need. Mm -hmm. (laughs) With HelloFresh, you can get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients, 
ingredients, and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. So you can skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And that's why it's America's number one meal kit. The nice thing is, no matter your lifestyle or your meal preferences, HelloFresh has recipes sure to please everyone at your table. So they have fit and wholesome recipes, veggie recipes, and family-friendly recipes. And you'll find something for even the pickiest eaters, sometimes that aren't just kids, but that are husbands, (laughs) because my husband has loved every meal we've gotten from HelloFresh, even though they've sounded kind of like different from what he normally likes, he enjoys them. What I really like is you can customize select meals by swapping proteins or sides, and that has been really beneficial with my pregnancy aversions because I've been able to pick something that actually sounds good. And now with HelloFresh, you can even upgrade to organic chicken or organic brown beef, which I 100% will be doing. Same, because I love me some organic meats. (laughs) Mm -hmm. What I love the most about HelloFresh is how much time it saves me. I don't need to plan meals or spend hours at the grocery store, which I find myself doing a lot lately because life is just hectic and you know you gotta you gotta do what you gotta do to survive and it also gives my family the perfect opportunity to try new foods kind of like you were mentioning like you didn't think you'd like this but hey we love it (laughs) Mm -hmm. in our last HelloFresh box we prepared the buffalo spice chicken cutlets with mashed potatoes and green beans and it was by far our favorite meal from the box I want that to try America's number one meal kit Go to HelloFresh.com slash Inhuman65 and use code Inhuman65 for 65% off plus free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash Inhuman65 and use code Inhuman65 for 65% off plus free shipping. He also opened up a small bakery in town and he was well-liked by neighbors he was like well known for, you know, being the friendly baker baker and you know, like he seemed to be staying out of trouble. He didn't really get caught for things and he was became a, I guess, quote unquote, pillar of the community, you know, like nobody thought anything bad of him. That is until late nineteen seventy one. So in December 1971, Hansen was arrested for abducting and attempting to rape a woman. And this woman has never been identified, but he was arrested for it and was sent to jail, but for some reason was let out on bail. Because it was the time and Mm -hmm. crimes against women were just like, oh, well, you know. Yeah. Yeah, He was the the friendly baker. (laughs) The friendly baker. He's fine. Yeah. When he was out on jail, though, he was arrested again for raping another woman. Who also has not ever been identified. Did he get out again? (laughs) So he pled no contest to the first arrest charges in, like, in, uh, oh my gosh, I just lost the word I was going to say. Like, and in response to that, the second arrest charges were dropped. What? Yeah. So he was only charged with the first one. And he was sentenced to five years in prison. Okay. But do you want to take a guess how much time he served? Mm, 10 months. Six months. Six. Oh, my Six God. Six 
months for two rapes yep Un- unbelievable yeah and he was when he was released he was released on a work release program and placed in a halfway house so he wasn't fully free but he literally harmed two women and barely served any time for it over the next five years he didn't get in too much trouble but eventually he was caught for stealing a chainsaw from a fred meyer store and he was once again arrested and sentenced to five years for larceny hmm. During this sentence, he was required to receive psychiatric treatment for bipolar disorder, but again, it's unclear what that treatment entailed, and it doesn't seem like it helped at all. So, so far, he's been diagnosed with manic depressive, Mm -hmm. schizophrenic tendencies. Episodes. And now bipolar. bipolar. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's unclear what, you know, his actual diagnosis would be. But it seems like no matter what it was, he wasn't getting any real help. Right. Now, while he was serving the time for this larceny, he appealed his sentence and the Alaska Supreme Court reduced his sentence and he was released on time served. Okay. So you've been in prison now two times. Mm -hmm. You get arrested again for stealing. You get a five-year sentence. But you appeal it, and they decide, okay, yeah, you, you served enough time. You can <laughs> this go is now. fair. Yeah. You're free to go. And it was after this release that Hansen began his killing spree. Wow. That escalated really quickly. Mm-hmm. And it's likely, honestly, that he attacked other women oh, before I'm sure. I'm this sure. larceny charge that just never he never got caught for. Right. So as I mentioned at the top of the episode, not all of his victims are known, but it is believed that he raped and assaulted over 30 women and murdered at least 17. That's awful. So some of these victims were found and identified by the police. Some were found with Hansen's help after his arrest, and some were named by Hansen but have never been found. And then there's also a couple who were found but have never been identified. Right. So the timeline of when he killed all of his victims isn't fully known, but we're going to go through like what is known up until his arrest. And we'll talk about which murders he admitted to, which ones he helped find the bodies and all of that. Okay. I also first want to cover the main MO that he seemed to use. And it's absolutely sick. So just a warning, if you don't want to hear it, skip ahead like 30 seconds. Okay. But most of his victims were sex workers, and he would pick them up, force them at gunpoint to go to his home. He would then rape them and then either drive them to a remote area or use his bush plane to fly them to a secluded area. And then he would let them go and, quote unquote, hunt them as if they were wild game. That is so disgusting. And according to some sources, some of these hunting events were like more than a day oh my where he would gosh. hunt them down that is terrifying those poor women i cannot imagine the fear they must have felt that's awful yeah so i just wanted to mention that before getting into it um yeah. i'm not going to talk too much more about that part of it okay so it is believed that Hansen's first bi- victim was 18-year-old Celia Beth Van Zanten, who was kidnapped on December 22, 1971. 
Now, Hansen at one point claimed that he started his killing spree in 1971, but he has refused to admit that Beth was one of his victims. Okay. So on December 22nd, Beth was home with two of her brothers on Nick Avenue in South Anchorage. She lived there with her three brothers and their cousin while their parents lived in a different house in Anchorage. And at around 8.30 p.m. that evening, Beth left the house to walk a few blocks to the local supermarket. So the bylo closed at 9 p.m. And a witness saw her walking into the store between 8.45 and 9. And then at around 9, a, a neighbor reported seeing Beth on Northern Lights Boulevard. But saying she didn't she wasn't seen at the bylo. Okay. So she didn't return home that night, but for some reason she wasn't reported missing for 2 days. You know, she lived with her three brothers and their cousin, so they didn't see their parents all the time, so maybe right. they just thought, "Oh, she met up with someone and is spending the night somewhere." Like right. they didn't they didn't report her missing right away. Unfortunately, on Christmas Day, 1971, Beth's body was found at McHugh Creek State Park. She had been bound and sexually assaulted, and she had a knife wound across her chest. Oh, my gosh. But that didn't kill her. She was dumped into a deep ravine, and she ultimately died from exposure. So she was just laying there, just, oh, my gosh. And forensic evidence showed that she had attempted to climb back up the ravine, but she couldn't because of the bindings. Oh, my goodness. So this actually happened two days after Hansen assaulted a different sex worker in the area, but she didn't turn him in for six days after that. So this was four days before he was turned in. And like I said, he is denied being involved in Beth's death. Right. But he had an aircraft map in his home, and this will come up several times. There were several X's drawn on different remote areas across Alaska. Okay. And there is an X on where Beth was found. Now, what are the so, odds of that? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, there were some similarities to his MO, but it didn't match exactly so since he always denied being involved, it can't be conclusively linked to him, but it is believed that she was his first victim. A year and a half after Beth was murdered, another young girl went missing. 17-year-old Megan Emmerich was attending Seward Skill Center, which was a boarding school in Seward, Alaska. On July 7, 1973, Megan was leaving a dorm laundry room, and she disappeared. So in her dorm room was all of her pers personal belongings, including her ID. So her roommate was concerned when she didn't come home that night because it was like she left everything be behind. Right. So her roommate searched for her for the next three days because, again, you're in college. Maybe she, like, went over to a friend's or something. But her roommate couldn't find her, so she contacted the police. Despite searches for Megan, she has never been found. Oh, I hate that. It is believed that she was a victim of Hansen, and he denied, again, being involved in her disappearance, but he did admit to being in Seward on the day she disappeared. Okay. And there was also an X on his aircraft map in the Seward area, 
So it's believed that could be linked to Megan. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty good evidence, in my opinion, that, I mean, what are the, what are, it's too big of a coincidence. Yeah. Yeah. That just doesn't happen. I mean, it does, but not that many times. Yeah. And then it also is reported that he admitted to an inmate that he was in jail with at one point that he had taken Megan to a cabin in Seward that he owned that could only be reached by boat and there he murdered and buried her so again not confirmed and her body unfortunately has never been found that's so awful almost exactly two years later another woman disappeared from Seward 22 year old Mary Till lived in Seward with her husband her husband worked on the Trans-Alaska Pipeline, so he was often gone, you know, all day for right. work. On July 5th, 1975, a friend drove Mary to town and dropped her off at a local bakery, and she was seen by another friend by a waterfall on Lowell Point Road between 1.30 and 2 p.m., but after that, she was never seen again. Mm-hmm. And she also has never been found, and like with Megan... Searches for her obviously led nowhere. Right. Again, Hansen denied being involved, but he did admit to being on, in Seward on that day. And then there's a, a different ex from the initial Seward ex that's believed to be Megan that's closer to Resurrection Bay. Okay. And that's close closer to where Mary disappeared from. So it's believed that's where he killed Mary. And again, according to another former inmate, Hansen admitted to killing a girl and dumping her body in Resurrection Bay. Okay. So the next victim has never been identified. She is known as Aklutna Annie because she was found on South Aklutna Lake Road in Aklutna Anchorage, Alaska. So on July 17, 1980, there were some women working near that road, and they discovered skeletal remains buried in a shallow grave. So this was in a wooded area about a mile off the road, and the remains were severely decomposed, indicating that she had been killed within the prior few months. So like I said, she's never been identified, and because of the decomposition state of her body, we don't know exactly when she was killed, but it's believed that she could have died anywhere from November 1979 to to June 1980. Wow. They were able to identify that she was a female, ranging in age from 16 to 25. She was petite, between 4'11 and 5'3, and her hair color was in the range of light brown to strawberry blonde. But other than that, no identifying factors were really discovered. She was wearing several articles of clothing, including a a long-length brown leather jacket, a light-colored knitted sleeveless shirt, blue jeans, and knee-high, high-heeled boot, red boots. And she was also wearing several pieces of jewelry, including a handmade metal bracelet with three turquoise stones, mm-hmm. a copper necklace with, a sh- with shell beads and a pendant heart, and a Timex wristwatch with a brown watch face. She also had a ring carved from shell jewelry and a gold-plated twisted metal hoop earring. In the pocket of her jacket was a box of Salem matches, indicating she may have been a smoker. But despite publishing all of this information about Aklutna Annie and what she was found with, nobody came forward to identify her. Wow. So she was found 
1980. She was discovered in 1980. But nothing was known about her murder until Robert Hansen admitted to killing her when he was caught. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So according to Hansen, Aklutna Annie was either a sex worker or a dancer who he believed was from Kodiak, Alaska. So he claimed that he picked her up downtown and told her he was going to take her to his house. But when she realized he wasn't driving toward a house, she asked him to drive her back to Anchorage and started to get distraught. So he said that he tried to calm her down, but when she wouldn't, he pulled a gun and told her, quote, you do exactly as I say, and I won't, and you won't get hurt. Which was a lie. Mm-hmm. He said he then drove toward Aklutna Lake, where his car got stuck in a muddy swamp on, like, a desolate road. And he actually convinced her to help him get it unstuck because, you know, he's threatening her with a gun. Right. What choice does she really have? Yeah. Yeah. He said at one point she attempted to run. And when she did, he chased her, grabbed her by the hair, and forced her to the ground. Mm. He said he was trying to calm her down by telling her that he wasn't going to kill her. Right. And she responded with, quote, you are. You're going to kill me. So after that, Hansen stabbed her in the back with a buck knife. Oh, my God. Yeah. So he then buried her in a shallow grave and drove away. And she was discovered... Not too long after, depending on when she actually died, which, again, is unknown. Hansen would claim that Aklutna Annie was his first murder, saying that she was murdered in the fall or early winter of 1979. But like I mentioned, he would later say that he started killing in 1971, eight years earlier. But either way, Aklutna Annie is still unidentified to this day and is one of the only four murders that Hansen was actually charged with. That's so crazy to me because uh, there has to be somebody out there that's missing her that knows that know. she was in this area. I mean, fr like a friend, a relative, I mean, anybody. I know. A a another customer, you know, like yeah, a client anyone. or whatever. Yeah, but nope, she's never been identified, and she That's rests awful. at the Anchorage Mem Memorial Park Cemetery under Jane Doe, died in 1980. That is so, so sad. I know. And there have been, like, 2D and 3D facial reconstructions of her, all of that information about her jewelry, but nobody seems to know anything. It's like she was, like, an only child, and her parents were already deceased or something. I don't know. Yeah, it could have been, you know, and... Because it's believed she was a sex worker, you just never know. Maybe know. she just didn't have a lot of friends. And yeah, it's really sad. Yeah. Hansen's next victim was 24-year-old Joanna Messina, who went out to dinner with him on May 19, 1980. So she was a dancer in Seward, and according to Hansen, the night was going smoothly until she offered him sex in exchange for money. He got angry and refused to release her. Hmm. He then drove her to a remote area by Snow River, where he eventually shot her twice with a twenty-two revolver and dumped her body into a gravel pit nearby. Oh, my gosh. He threw the gun into the river and left, and her body was found two months later. So this was in July 1980. She was extremely decomposed from the elements mm -hmm. and wildlife. Right. Thankfully, she was able to be identified as Joanna Messina, 
but her murder case went cold because there was just no evidence. Yeah. Years later, when Hansen was arrested, he confessed to murdering Joanna. And Joanna is the second of the four victims who Hansen was formally charged with killing. Okay. The next murder is another one that Hansen has also admitted to, but the victim's body has never been found. 24-year-old Roxanne, Roxanne Eastland was living at the Budget Motel in Anchorage, and on June 28, 1980, she was scheduled to meet an unnamed man downtown, and she never returned from that meeting. After she disappeared, she was reported missing, but she was never found, and what happened to her was never discovered. She basically vanished into thin air, and nothing was known about it. And then years later, when Hansen was caught, he admitted to killing her. Wow, that's so crazy. I know. But again, she still has not been found. Right. And Roxanne's murder is one that he admitted to but wasn't charged with. Because, of course, he gets a plea deal. And like I said, Mm. he helps them find a lot of the victims or tells them about a lot of victims, but isn't charged with all of them because of the plea deal. 41-year-old Lisa Futrell was working at a nightclub in Anchorage when she met Robert Hansen in September 1980. On the night of September 7th, she didn't return home from her shift at the club, so her roommates reported her missing. She was not found, and what happened to her remained a mystery until Hansen confessed in 1984. With his help, her body was found buried next to a gravel pit south of the former Nick Bridge that borders Anchorage. Then between September 1980 and July 1981, there aren't any reported missing persons or murders connected to Hansen, but that doesn't necessarily mean he was inactive during that time. Right. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. On July 10th, 1981, a dancer from Anchorage named Malai Larson was reported missing. 
She was 28 years old and was never found. And the exact, you know, time of when she died is ne- is unknown. But it's just believed that she died sometime between July 1981 and 1983. And she was found in 1984 with Hansen's help. She was found in a parking lot close to the former Nick River Bridge. And you'll continue to hear Nick River because that was a very popular spot for Hansen to go. Okay. The next murder attributed to Hansen was 23-year-old Sherry Morrow. And she is the third of the four murders that he was formally charged with. So Sherry was a dancer in Anchorage, and on November 17, 1981, she told friends that she was seeing a photographer who would pay her for nude images. So she told friends this is what she was going to do, but she never came home, so her friends immediately reported her missing. But she remained missing for the next almost year, until September 12, 1982, when hunters found a shallow grave on the banks of the Nick River. And in the grave was Sherry, who had been shot three times in the back. There were also cartridges from a 223 Rugger Mini 14 hunting rifle found near her body. And she was clothed when she was found, but there were no gunshot holes through her clothing. Hmm. So it's believed that she was naked when she was killed and then redressed before she was buried. And it is believed that this was one of his M.O. killings where he was because she was shot in the back. So although she was found, her case went cold. But when Hanson was arrested, he admitted to murdering Sherry. Okay. Andre Mona Altery, who was also known as Fish to her friends, boarded a taxi around 11 p.m. on December 2nd, 1981. And she was heading to the Boniface Mall in Anchorage, where she was planning to meet an unnamed man for a photo shoot. Hmm. She also never returned home. And she was reported missing, but she has never been found. After Hansen's arrest, a search of his home actually revealed several of Andre's possessions, including her fish necklace that she always wore. And Hansen admitted to killing her. So he said that he met her that night and threatened her with a gun, blindfolding and handcuffing her. He then drove her to a service road where he raped her. And when she fought against him, he got angry and shot her with a twenty-two. He then removed her necklace and some of her other belongings. He weighted a duffel bag with gravel, tied the bag to her and threw her body off the bridge into the Nick River. Like I said, she has never been found, and despite his initial confession of killing Andre, it's believed that they he either took it back or they didn't have enough evidence because he was never charged with her murder. Why? I think that I know, and you know, several of these he admitted to after he made a plea deal, but because belongings of hers were found in his home. A lot of people think that he should have been charged with her murder as well. Yeah. But either it was part of the plea deal or maybe they didn't have enough or whatever. So several of the next victims were not found until 1984 with Hansen's help. But again, he was never charged with any of these ones. Right. 
21-year-old Sue Luna agreed to do a $300 photo shoot with a patron at the nightclub she worked at. On May 26, 1982, she met Hansen in a diner parking lot, and he proceeded to abduct her. While she was reported missing the next day, her case again went cold, and he admitted that he brought her into the woods where he did his typical thing, and he eventually shot her to death and buried her along the Nick River, and she was found buried there in 1984. On August 7th, 1982, 20-year-old Tammy Peterson spoke on the phone with her family. She told them that she had been offered money for a photo shoot, and she was going that night. But unfortunately, this was another one of Hansen's tricks, and he abducted and murdered her. After being reported missing, her body wasn't found, and the case went cold until Hansen confessed. And in 1984, Tammy's body was found a mile and a half from the old Nick Bridge. 24-year-old Angela Lynn Fettern was last seen on 4th Avenue in downtown Anchorage in February 1983. She wasn't reported missing until May, and it's unclear why, because she was reported missing by the owner of the nightclub that she worked at. Okay. So, like, he was the one who reported her missing, but not for a couple months. Don't really know why. But she had been abducted and murdered by Hanson in 1983 and then was found in 84 when Hansen led investigators to her body on a small lake near Figure 8 Lake outside of Anchorage. On March 25, 1983, 22-year-old Teresa Watson told her roommates that she was going to meet a man who would give her $300 in exchange for an hour of her company. But she never came home, and they reported her missing, but again, it went cold. Hansen told investigators that he had taken her to Scenic Lake, where he killed her and attempted to bury her, but couldn't because the earth was too frozen, and he abandoned her there. Wow. So fucked up. In April 1984, Robert Hansen led investigators to the remains of a young girl who he had stabbed to death near Horseshoe Lake in Palmer, Alaska. And for years, she was only known as Horseshoe Harriet because by the time she was found, she couldn't be identified. But in 2021, forensic genealogy was used to determine her identity. Oh, yay. So this woman was 19-year-old Robin Pelkey, who was living in Anchorage when she vanished on July 19, 1983. Again, she was reported missing but had never been found, and then when she was found with the help of Hansen in 1984, her remains were skeletonized, so they couldn't identify her. But at least now, thanks to DNA and genetic genealogy, she has a name, and at least her family knows what happened. Yeah. In March 1983, 22-year-old Delyn Sugar Frey went missing. Again, she wasn't immediately reported missing, and it's unclear why, but unfortunately, most of these women were dancers or sex workers, so I think that, you know, they just didn't have anybody that was keeping track of their whereabouts all the time, so it was just they weren't reported missing. Now, she wasn't found with Hanson's help, but over two years after she went missing, A pilot was testing out new tires on the Nick River sandbar when he discovered her body. 
So she couldn't be identified at first, and she was only known as Jane Doe for the next four years. But in 1989, an Alaska state trooper actually recognized her jewelry in a case file photo and knew that she was miss- the missing Delyn Frey. Okay. It is believed that Hansen was the one to abduct and kill her not long after she went missing. 30-year-old Paula Golding is the last of the four murder victims that Hansen was charged with killing. So she was a dancer working in Anchorage, Anchorage on July 25th, 1983, when a man offered her some money. So she went with him, but he pretty quickly threatened her with a gun. He brought her to his aircraft, shackled her, and then flew her to a remote area. And she tried to flee, and he shot her in the back. Oh, my God. She was actually found on September 2nd, 1983, buried in a shallow grave on the Nick River. And like with Sherry Morrow, her clothing had no gunshot holes. So it's believed that she was naked when she was killed and then clothed before burial. It's so bizarre to me because it's like you don't value this person at all whatsoever, but you're going to take the time to redress them before you bury them or dump them or whatever. Like doesn't make any sense. Yeah. No. Hansen admitted to killing Paula. And like I said, he was formally charged with her murder. On July 13th, 1983, Robert Hansen met his final victim. 19-year-old Cindy Paulson agreed to sex with Hansen in exchange for money. But after they met up, he pulled a gun on her and kidnapped her, taking her to his home. There, he raped and tortured her. And apparently at one point, he chained her to a post in the basement by her neck mm-hmm. while he took a, ca- a nap on the couch nearby. Wow. When he woke up from his nap, he took her to Merrillfield Airport where he kept his plane and he kept telling her that he was going to take her out to his cabin. So I mentioned this cabin once before. He had a cabin on the Nick River and this was only accessible by boat or bush plane. So they got to the airport and he began loading up the cockpit, getting the plane ready, and he was threatening her. She was handcuffed in the back of his car and he had a gun. Right. But Cindy was brave. When she wasn't looking, she when he wasn't looking, she crawled out of the back seat, out through the driver's side door, and she started running. Oh my god. She was running toward downtown Anchorage, trying to flag down a car before Can- Hansen could catch her. And Hansen panicked and started chasing after her, but Cindy was able to make it to 6th Avenue before him, and a driver named Robert Yount saw her and was concerned by her disheveled appearance because she was barefoot, she was handcuffed, and so he let her into his car and drove her to the nearby Mush Inn. He said that when they got to the hotel, she immediately jumped out of his truck because she was probably freaked out by this other man. She didn't know him. So she jumped out, ran into the hotel, and Yoon was kind of like, well, there's not much more I can do. She's in a hotel. (laughs) So he kept driving to work, but he did call the police on his way, reporting a handcuffed barefoot girl that had run up to his car, saying that he had dropped her off at the Mush Inn. So at the inn, Cindy begged the clerk to call her boyfriend at the Big Timber Motel, And so she did, and then Cindy got in a cab to the Big Timber. 
So when the Anchorage PD arrived at the Mush Inn, they were told that Cindy had gone to the Big Timber, so they arrived there, and they learned that she was in room 110. So they went into the room, and in the room, she was alone and still handcuffed, which is kind of bizarre, and it's unclear why no one at the hotel had helped her, but then again, (laughs) if she was handcuffed with, like, proper handcuffs... You can't There's just much you, can you know, do. untie that. Right. And she was probably like, no, like leave me alone. Or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So she was in the room. Police arrived and they took her down to headquarters and started talking to her. And she was able to describe who kidnapped her. So she described the man as having a stutter and she was able to identify the type of plane he had. So police actually had an idea of who this man might be. Okay. The local baker, Robert Hansen. So the APD quickly questioned him, but he, of course, denied the accusations. And he said he had been with Cindy, but claimed that she was only saying all of this because he wouldn't pay her, quote unquote, extortion demands. So he was like, I didn't do any of this. She's just making this all up. And they took his word for that? Well, partially, but he also had an alibi. So his friend, John Henning, was with him when Cindy went missing and escaped. Somebody was with him? Reportedly. Okay, I was about to say. You know what else is wild to me? How did no one see him repeatedly bring women? I I get that it's a, a small airport, you know. Yeah. But nobody saw him bring these women Apparently not. Or they just Time and time and time again. Like he probably was able to hide that they were like handcuffed or bound or whatever. And just Yeah. Yeah. Wild. So with this alibi Mm -hmm. and the fact that he was, you know, this well known, friendly town baker, police didn't believe he was a serious suspect in Cindy's abduction. So they basically dismissed him, so he was let go. And investigators kept looking into who had abducted Cindy, but Hansen wasn't even considered. Around this same time, Detective Glenn Floth with the Alaska State Troopers was contacting the FBI to try to get a profile of a man that he believed had killed three young girls found in and around Anchorage and Seward. So this was Aklutna Annie, who was discovered in July 1980, Joanna Messina, who was discovered um, that, that same year, in Seward, and then Sherry Morrow, who was discovered in 1981 on the Nick River. So Detective Floth was sure that the same man had killed all of these women. So he contacted Special Agent John Douglas at the FBI to try to get a profile of this killer based on the three bodies that had been found. So Douglas put together a profile and said that the killer was an experienced hunter with low self-esteem, likely with a history of being rejected by women. Damn. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He believed the killer would keep souvenirs of his murders, and they believed that he owned a plane because of the locations where some of the bodies were found. Wow, he's very talented to have gathered all that so accurately. He even profiled that the perpetrator had a stutter. Hmm? Okay, now how'd you do <laughs> I think it's just one of the like low self-esteem type of things. So okay. it's like, oh, he like likely has a stutter yeah. that lowered his self-esteem. Okay. So 
Douglas started looking into criminals in the Anchorage area that fit that profile, and that's when he came across Robert Hansen. So Hansen fit the profile perfectly, and Douglas and Floth started looking into him, and they learned that he had been questioned about the recent kidnapping of Cindy Paulson. So they went and spoke with her, and thanks to her testimony and the FBI profile, Eventually, the Anchorage PD was able to get a search warrant for Hansen's plane, vehicles, and home. Okay. So despite the initial police officers who talked to Cindy dismissing Hansen as a suspect, he was now being investigated for her kidnapping and three other murders. So they searched Hansen's plane, cars, and home, and they found a lot of damning evidence. He had kept trophies. Hmm. There were several of his victims' jewelries and other belongings. There was an array of firearms hidden in the corner of his attic. And behind his bed's headboard was that aircraft map that had 20, between 20 and 37 X marks on it. And many of these matched sites where the bodies of the victims they were currently looking into were found. 20 to 30? Wow. Mm-hmm. So after the search of... His property, Hansen was, of course, questioned. And at first he denied being involved, but they kept, you know, showing him the evidence he they had found and he started to crack. At first he was blaming the women to try to justify his actions, but this is when they realized that they had just caught a serial killer. Wow. And he admitted to a spree of attacks against Alaskan women starting all the way back in 1971. So he was initially arrested and charged with assault, kidnapping, multiple weapons offenses, theft, and insurance fraud because they didn't have anything solid to connect him. Like, yes, he had the victim's jewelry, but there wasn't any physical evidence showing, like, for sure he killed them. But I mentioned at some of the crime scenes, bullets were found or shell casings were found, and Ballistics tests showed that these matched Hansen's guns. Mm-hmm. So he was officially linked to four harm- homicides and was charged with the murders of Aklutna Annie, Joanna Messina, Sherry Morrow, and Paula Glo- Golding. And he pled guilty. So as we've mentioned several times, he got this massive plea deal. And with this deal, he agreed to provide details about other victims and incl- and decipher the X's on his aviation map. Of course, he didn't admit to everything because these people are narcissistic sociopaths and don't, mm-hmm. you know, it's a thrill want to maintain to some control. From you, yeah. Yeah. But he did end up leading investigators to 17 grave sites, 12 of which were previously undiscovered. So 12 Remarkable. victims were returned to their families except for a Klutna Annie, and then the one that has the other one that has never been identified. Mm-hmm. For his end of the deal, he would serve his sentence in federal prison and would receive no publicity in the press and would only be charged with those four murders, no more. So there were some marks on his maps that he refused to give up, and some of the victims he was questioned about, like the first ones that I was talking about, that he claimed he didn't kill. And investigators did their best to get everything out of him, but there were just some things he refused to share. Yeah. 
Robert Hansen was sentenced to 461 years in prison without the possibility of parole. And that is where he remained for the next 30 years until August 21st, 2014, when 75-year-old Hansen died from natural causes from lingering health conditions. So that is... (laughs) Robert Hansen, and he's been portrayed in the media a lot. There's a film based off of him. There's several documentaries about his killings. He's been portrayed on several TV series, including Mindhunter and Criminal Minds. But it feels like in the true crime community, he's not talked about as much. I'm sure he is, and some of you probably have heard of him. But it just feels like he's not talked about as much as like Israel Keys, Ted Bundy, mm-hmm. Kemper, he like he's a just a lot of people. Yeah, and I hate to wonder if part of the reason is because most of the victims were sex workers. Yeah, I'm sure it is. And how many and of just... them were indigenous Alaskan natives, I wonder too. Yeah, there were likely several. Yeah. And unfortunately, there's just not a lot of information about most of the victims out there because they just weren't well known and right. some of them weren't identified some of them weren't found and there's just there's just not a lot of information about them yeah it's tragic it really is before we end the episode i want to list all of the known victims and there are several more that were either killed or attacked by him it is believed that he attacked up to 30 women wow. and then it's known that he killed at least 17 of them right his victims were Celia Beth Van Zenten, Megan Emmerich, Mary Kathleen Till, an unidentified woman named Aklutna Annie, Joanna Messina, Roxanne Eastland, Lisa Futrell, Sherry Morrow, Andre Fish Altery, Sue Luna, Robin Pelkey, Delyn Sugar Frey, Paula Golding, Cindy Paulson, Malai Larson, Teresa Watson, Angela Federn, and Tammy Peterson. Mm. And it's just so heartbreaking that so many of them weren't reported missing right away or their cases just went cold and they were never found. Thankfully, more people were able to get closure after Hanson was caught. I can't believe that the police department just dismissed him for so long. Yeah. He really flew under but, the radar on so many different things. And, I mean, we, we've seen it a million times. It's not it's not yeah. anything shocking or new, but it is shocking yeah. every time we have to hear about it because it is. it's like you get a free pass because you're, what, a man? Yeah, a, a man, a white man, a baker. <laughs> a baker. Yeah. Everyone thinks you're this great guy, but really you're a big you're giant and- piece of shit. Yeah, and it's so frustrating that he went to jail so many times before mm-hmm. he even started killing. And he, and he raped just women. Out. Like, it's not like yeah. he was just doing little frivolous, like, you know, burglary. I mean, not that that's frivolous, but, you know, in comparison but, yeah. to, like, rape and murder. Yeah. But no, he was raping women. And we almost yeah. always know that that escalates into something more sinister. Yeah, exactly. So he really got away with a lot. He flew under the radar for years and unfortunately because of a lot of his victims were sex workers 
you know, their disappearances probably weren't taken as seriously. Slash, even if they were, what evidence do you have? It's the 70s. Yeah. There's not a lot of security. There's not a lot of, you know, there's just not a lot to try to catch somebody that's doing something like this. So yeah. they just went unnoticed and it kept happening. And thankfully, that Detective Floth finally connected this and went to the FBI and said, I need a profile. Then with that profile, they were able to link it back to Hansen. And with Cindy Paulson's testimony, they were able to kind of put it all together. Right. But I just can't imagine all of these victims, what they had to go through. And just think about the ones that he probably is linked to and have never even been found, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's terrible. There's several that people believe. I mean, there's some that he never admitted to. There's some that have never been found. There's ones that, um, or there's, there's people that have gone missing or were murdered in the area that are potentially believed to be connected to him and there's likely several people and several victims who they haven't even been thought to be connected to him but there were several gaps in known victims and there's no way that he just stopped for a little while i mean at this point he had kids but i don't think he saw them like he just you know he what was he doing with his life owning a bakery like he kept doing this so i'm sure there are several more victims yeah i think so too But that is the case of this disgusting monster. Um, And, you know, join me in remembering all of these victims. And just a reminder that if somebody doesn't return home, report them missing. The the worst that'll happen or least that'll happen is they come home and you can say, oh, they're home. Like, laugh about it later. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So. Thank you guys so much for listening. I know that that was a bit of a rough case, but I wanted to tell these victims yeah. stories because so many, you know, victims that are sex workers just aren't talked about enough. So I wanted to make sure I spoke to each of the victims and didn't just say there were 17 of them or whatever. Right. Um, so thank you guys for listening. Thank you for being here. We will see you on Thursday with a new episode. And until then, keep it human. Bye, guys.